all kinds of things can be numbing behavior and working can definitely be a numbing behavior and being busy rushing can be a numbing behavior because if we slow down, then we actually need to be with ourselves. And that can be quite uncomfortable if there are some things that you've been avoiding feeling. I'm Amy Jo Martin. Welcome to the Why Not Now show. You know that thing you've been thinking about doing? Yeah, that one. Why not now? Have you ever actually taken the time to ask yourself, what's stopping me? Let's talk it through. This is your chance to give that idea the attention it deserves and take action. Each episode, I have a chat with a fascinating person from entrepreneurs to athletes, celebrities, my parents, rocket scientists, and all walks of life. We talk through a critical time when they've asked themselves, why not now? We dissect that day or even that moment, step by step. Today we have an author on the show, and it's actually interesting because when I was in Denver and Lincoln, my son, was in the NICU, my good friend Emily brought me this book, and she said, you have to read this. This is for you right now. And it's titled Do Less by Kate Northrup. Well, today Kate is on the show. I love how that all works out and comes full circle. And she wrote a book on literally how we can do less and do more of what lights us up, brings us joy, gets us the results. Um, So there's a theme here with the last couple of episodes. I'm definitely on a kick of efficiency, effectiveness, making more space. And so Kate and I talk through her philosophy. We talk through the three questions the filter questions that she applies to everything on her calendar. You have to take notes on this one. Uh, So good. And really just how we can delegate more, how we can do more of what's working and less of what is not. So conceptually, this sounds really great, right? It makes sense. It's intuitive. However, when you actually put it to practice, that's when it becomes more challenging in most cases because that means something has to go or many things may have to go. And um, the real case studies, the real examples that Kate shares are where we really learn, in my opinion, because it, it all makes sense. It's just in application, sometimes things feel a little different. So make sure you check out her new book, Do Less. And speaking of books, I have yet to mention that my book is on my website for sale. If you head to amyjomartin.com forward slash shop, you can get a copy, a signed copy of Renegade's Write the Rules. This is the first time, believe it or not, we've offered my book actually to be sold on my own website. Seems crazy, but we wanted to be able to 
offer signed copies. You can get it in other places, but this is where the only place you can get a signed copy. So head to amyjomartin.com forward slash shop if you would like to pick up your copy of the New York Times bestseller, Renegades Write the Rules. We tackle the most taboo topics on the Why Not Now show. Oftentimes, you're hearing guests share things they've never shared before. In the spirit of things we don't typically talk about, you should know that the Why Not Now show is supported by Poopery, the original before-you-go toilet spray. It's magic. My friends at Poopery have literally taken the smell out of you-know-what. This pure blend of essential oils stops bathroom odor before it begins. Visit Poopery.com and Why Not Now listeners get 20% off with code Why Not Now. That's all one word. And you can hear the story about Poopery in our interview with founder Susie Batiste. That's Why Not Now, episode 28. Poopery is also available at Bed Bath & Beyond. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And let's hop right in. Can you tell me about a time when you had a big decision to make and you had to ask yourself, why not now? We'll talk through that minute, that day, hour, season, and dissect how you went from idea to action. I mean, there are so many when I, you know, when I received this question in prep, um, of course, there are so many of these moments. And I think that my husband and I, who also run our company together, um, have talked about that, that we think that one of the reasons we've been able to do so well, meaning, you know, just create a business that we love and serve a lot of people is because we are really fast decision makers. Like we just know and then we go for it. So one moment like this was actually many, many years ago. Well, I mean, relatively. <laughs> it was in 2012. And my book, Money, A Love Story, was just in its infancy. So I think I had written like a chapter of it. Um, and it was coming out in September of 2013. And what happened is we had a bunch of people in our community. I'd been blogging for three years or two, yeah, two and a half years. Um, and we had a lot of people in our community asking for this material that I'd been hinting at about um, about financial well-being and, and really a new perspective to apply to the personal finance industry that I'd been practicing in my own life and that I'd been teaching in these women and wealth seminars. And they wanted it. And I was like, well, sorry, you know, my book's coming out in September 2013. So, you know, you just basically have to wait for a year and a half. <laughs> And my husband, Mike, who sometimes is a better business person than I am, was like, let's create something. Like, let's make something for these people. And at the time, we were really just getting started online. You know, we didn't really know what we were doing at all. You know, Mike knew just enough of programming to be dangerous. And I like... <laughs> knew how to send an email and write a blog. And um, and so we just decided to put together our first program, the Money Love Course, and I hadn't even created it before we just 
figured, well, what the hell? Let's, let's see if people are interested. So we threw up a sales page of, you know, a checkout system through, just through PayPal, just a simple PayPal button. And um, I wrote a couple of promotional emails and we made like 200 sales wow. in a week. Amazing. Because I had sold something I'd never made before. <laughs> I and, didn't, and you exist. hadn't made I it yet. Right? I didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> I oh I love yeah. this and there's so that many things. Well, sure. Like, well, it goes back to what you said in the beginning about making quick decisions when you know they are in alignment and and you're ready to rock. The quicker, kind of, the better. And I've found that as well. And then the fact that there's a quote that we use a lot on this show, especially when you talk about going from idea to action. Like, how are we going to green light something? And Julius Caesar said, if you want to take the island, you burn your boat, right? So you burn your boat. Don't give yourself an out, even though if you Google it, it looks like Tony Robbins said it. He's just an amazing marketer, <laughs> but I think it's actually a little older than him. Um, uh, but it's it's so true. You burned your boat. You started promoting a class or a course, a, an offering, digital product without having it yet. And I've seen this happen recently in my Renegade Brand Boot Camp program with a woman who did the same thing. And then she was so motivated to go create it because it was resonant and people were were signing up. So once you got those 200 signups, I bet you were like, heck yeah, man, I'll, I'll make it. <laughs> well, yeah. And then also, to be honest, then I was on the hook. So I... Yes. Um, like other people, I have a lot on my plate. You know, at this point in my life, I'm in a different season than I was at that time, but I have two small children. Um, you know, we have a company, I've got a couple of books, products, things. And um, another super simple example of, I know that this was not your prompt, but I'm going to tell you another example of a why not. Bring it. Love it. <laughs> was, was like two weeks before my book was coming out, I got this opportunity to do a book launch party in Los Angeles. And it was also one of those why not now moments because I really did want to do a live event in celebration, but for a variety of reasons, I didn't have a lot of bandwidth to make that happen. But it was suddenly just like right there for me. And what was so cool about that moment and also the moment where we created the Money Love Course is... There are so many things pulling for our attention at any given time. And so sometimes the thing that we really want to do, like writing the book or creating the digital course or launching our group coaching or holding the live event, like we don't do it because the laundry needs to get done and there's emails coming in with deadlines and other things. And so the great thing about both of these moments where I said yes to doing this thing and I sold something that didn't exist and I, you know, basically put myself on the line to fill a room is it makes it a priority really fast yep. because other people are then depending on you. <laughs> so it yeah. makes you show up, which is such a great thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great why not now example. And to Kind of transition into your more recent book, Do Less. I was just kind of telling you before we hopped on. So my son, Lincoln, who listeners have heard quite a bit about, um, thank you for being along the ride every with along the ride with us, everyone. Um, when he was born so early, my very good friend, Emily, brought me your book and when we were in Denver and he was in the NICU. And she was just like, oh, you you have to have this. This was like written for you. <laughs> and then, I mean, amazing job to promoting it because it kept showing up in my pathway. I believe I must be part of your target <laughs> because you definitely have reached me. And, um, and let's talk a little bit about it because it's called Do Less. 
And this has conceptually been my focus since Lincoln has been born is I have made it my number one priority other than keeping him alive, of course, and loving him to simplify and make my life more efficient. And I call it declutter. I mean, I just had Greg McEwen on, who's the author of Essentialism, which I I'm obsessed with that book. They could be cousins. Your book could be cousin of Essentialism, but it's a full 100%, like 360, just clear out really of evaluation of what is absolutely necessary. I mean, I know you talk about the 80-20 rule in your book, but also just I keep, I keep saying it's people, places, things. And and it sounds kind of rigid, but I've had to take a little bit of a ruthless attitude about it because if you don't, your mind will definitely, you know, find a way to trick you into thinking everything is important. <laughs> I mean, we have a way of justifying anything. So um, it just, it's so timely. And do you find that you apply your principles to not only you and what you're doing, but who you're spending your time with and what's in your home, what's in your drawers. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, really, the filter becomes is there a way to get the desired results through fewer steps, you know, less stuff, less complications, fewer people, you know, yes. because. Mm-hmm. Many, many people are overwhelmed, overbooked, overscheduled, feeling just fried. And we have an illusion in our culture that the solution to what ails us is more, right? More stuff, more money, more opportunities, doing more things. But the vast majority of the time, the solution is actually less. But we just, in the in our hyper-consumerist culture, we've all been brainwashed to look for what else do we need instead of what can we get rid of. And so, yes, I do absolutely apply this to people. Um, if somebody, you know, here's the, here's the gift of motherhood. I just like have these two little beings who depend on me for their survival. And so therefore, if somebody comes in to my life and is sucking my energy, it's so instantly apparent that they are sucking energy that either I need for myself so I can show up for my kids or that my kids need. Mm -hmm. And so I've become quite ruthless about my boundaries and I will, in in a lot of things, you know, in terms of policies that we have within our company, if somebody's a pain in the ass, out of the gate. Mm-hmm. I, I do not do business Even with them. It no asshole rule. Fancy. Yes. Yeah, the no asshole rule for sure. If they're a pain in the ass, that's it. No questions asked. They're on, they're on my list and you don't want to be on my list because I have an excellent memory. Um, <laughs> and I really don't, and I'm actually an incredibly kind person and I have so many connections and, um, and true, true relationships that I adore. But if somebody is selfish, uh, overly needy, um, just expecting more than I can offer and aren't willing to hear why, then I just have no time for that. And do you find, even let's let's say you're looking at your calendar and as listeners are trying to think through, how could they do less? Right? How could they adopt more of the mentality? 
And it doesn't mean do nothing, right? It means do more of what you what you actually enjoy, what brings you joy and fulfillment. But I had to find a little bit of bullish ruthlessness. Does that even if it's my closet, it's like, nope, there's no question. Like there is no debate. It is a gut feeling now, in out. My my rule is if I put something on one time and I take it off because it's not right, it goes in the goodwill pile. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I don't want, because I'm going to put it on and feel not right about it again. (laughs) Right. It applies to every area of our lives, whether it is a shirt or going to coffee with a friend or feeling off when you get off the phone with somebody. Now, sometimes with relationships, it's tricky, right? Because sometimes we're related to these people or they're our neighbor or (laughs) or something. It's not like I'm saying like you just cut people out of your life. Right. No, no, no. But boundaries are really important to know like, oh, okay, I can be in the, in relationship with this person in this way. Maybe they are a, like I have friends who I've been away on trips with and I realize, oh, that is not a friend I can go away on trips with, but <laughs> yeah. they're a brunch friend. Sure. Okay. Yes. Yes. I love it. It's okay to have different categories. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So this is, this reminds me of a story I heard you tell um, just in prepping for this interview about your friend who it seemed like it was just kind of a, a bit of a pattern where you'd sit down and, and they would bring some drama and they kind of, they didn't necessarily expect you to solve it, but you put yourself in the place of wanting to help fix it. And it just was icky. And so you did something to switch this and you took on a different role. Can you tell your, can you tell this story? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I noticed that our loop that we were in, which I absolutely contributed to Mm -hmm. was I was sort of playing fixer and she was playing, you know, drama. And every time we got together, this is what we did is we worked on her drama and it started to feel really draining to me and just not that fun, but I really love her. So it wasn't like, oh, I don't want to be friends with this person. I just, and I was hanging out um, with somebody at the time, a dear friend of mine um, named Terry Cole, who had taught me not in regards to this situation, but just like in terms of relationships in general, that if you change your dance, the other person can't help, but they automatically have to change their dance Mm -hmm. Um, because they can't keep dancing with you in the same way if you stop doing your dance. Mm -hmm. And so I just said to my friend, the next time she brought up her newest, latest drama, I said, wow, that sounds really intense. What do you think you're going to do about that? Mm. And so I just, yeah, I just lobbed the ball back over to her, into her court. And it was like, suddenly I wasn't holding it for her anymore. And then, and then it didn't feel that comfortable for her to hold it either. And so honestly, within a couple of minutes, like we were talking about something completely different and it actually changed the pattern in our relationship. She no longer was, was trying to throw her drama at me to hold. And she felt how uncomfortable it is to try to hold and fix drama. Cause I popped it back over at her and then, um, and then our dynamic shifted. It was so awesome. There you go. It makes it, it makes a lot of sense. And that could be with a coworker. It could be family. I mean, it, it really could be any situation if you find that pattern is happening. 
It can. And I really had to look at myself in that moment and say, what is it about me that has set up a scenario where my value in this relationship is about me helping her fix her problems? Mm -hmm. Because that has nothing to do with her. That has to do with me and my feeling that I have to be doing something to Mm -hmm. add value and like over-functioning in order to be worthy of friendship. Mm -hmm. And that's you know, that's really like at the very core of what Do Less is about is looking at what are the ways that we add on extra layers of song and dance and extra doing because deep down we're not sure that we're worthy of just being. And that enabling function, it reminds me of the drama triangle, the villain, victim, hero, and usually you're playing one. And a few years ago, I found myself with someone fairly close to me. We were bouncing I was one, she was the other, then da 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 da. And finally, I had to remove myself from, you know, the the drama triangle where it just it makes less sense. So, so let's talk a little bit about how it can feel uncomfortable to do less. So we're used to being, I'm using air quotes here, busy, which that word just it just is like nails on a chalkboard a bit because busy. People who are over capacity can become highly annoying where they just can't, you know, they can't necessarily focus on anything. (laughs) And I heard a recent um, conversation, I think it was Derek Sivers and and Tim Ferriss talking about how when they they see people who are that busy, per se, it just makes them feel like they they just don't have control over their life. They don't, they aren't capable of, of managing their life. And I know that sounds pretty drastic, but it is those, when you're around someone who just is spinning, not only do you catch that energy, but it's, it's like, whoa, okay, this is not something that should be glorified whatsoever. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that we've been taught that if you're more busy, you're more important. Mm -hmm. So there's this, again, it's back to that self-worth piece of, oh, well, if I have all these things on my plate, then I must be needed, which means I must be valuable. And so we just have to unravel that and begin to define our worth elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, based on who we are, not what we do. And yes, being uncomfortable with doing less is a very real thing because we also stay busy to avoid feeling things. You know, I know for me, for example, we had this very dramatic morning with my four-year-old. She was having, wow, I mean, the amount of drama that can come out of this girl. And then (laughs) it turned into me and my husband having this interaction that was like not awesome because we were both stressed out. And basically I just felt kind of icky and I could feel myself wanting to just dive into work for the day because I didn't want to feel the discomfort of feeling like I probably could have handled my parenting differently. I probably could have handled the interaction with my husband differently. It brought to light a couple of things that he and I need to discuss to get on the same page about. And that felt kind of like a little heavy. So there were several things that I did not feel like feeling. And I could have easily just gotten right distracted because of course I have plenty of things to do. We all do. But instead I went and I sat on my little yoga blanket in my closet, which is where I meditate. And I just (laughs) sat and I breathed for 10 minutes 
And I allowed my central nervous system to like feel what it was feeling and, um, and kind of pass all those emotions through my body so that they didn't get stuck. So I actually felt what I was feeling and then eventually calmed my central nervous system down and really asked my inner self, like what, you know, what information do I need right now? And then I was able to go about my day from a much more grounded, centered place. And that has felt awesome. So the thing is that we have a lot of addictions. We have a lot of numbing behavior, watching TV, um, you know, alcohol, too much sugar, all kinds of things can be numbing behavior and working can definitely be a numbing behavior and being busy, rushing can be a numbing behavior because if we slow down, then we actually need to be with ourselves. And that can be quite uncomfortable if there are some things that you've been avoiding feeling. Yes, I love it. And that's that's sometimes the most uncomfortable we could ever be is feeling. Um, and it's interesting how, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on just the topic of social media and how, you know, as you think about do less and you think about the principles in your book, where where does social media land? I mean, I know that's a broad question, but I'm just curious to see where you go with it because we can spend a lot of time on these platforms. And I just I keep thinking of the 80-20 rule and how where does where does social media fit in <laughs> into our our vital few? <laughs> so, if you are running a business, you know, social media may actually be necessary. If you're not running a business, social media probably isn't necessary. Um, I love it. And yes. for some, right? Just to be honest, uh-huh. for some businesses, social media is actually not necessary. I know some incredibly successful business owners who don't use social media and I love them for it. I think it's so awesome. In my, you know, I can only speak for my particular business and life, which is that we do connect with a lot of people through social media and nine times out of 10, I actually find it a really joyful experience. So I think that's where we need to start to decide, okay, does this fit into my life? Does this fit into my business? If you are finding that you're getting off social media and you feel worse than when you went on, you probably need some boundaries around it. And that could mean unfollowing a bunch of people. It could mean putting on, I know for Facebook, you can put something called the newsfeed eradicator on. So you can literally just go on and only go in your groups and comment back. I spend 80% of my social media time either in my Facebook groups for my own programs or posting and commenting on my own things. Mm -hmm. I don't spend much time at all scrolling or watching other people's stuff just because I have a create before I consume rule. And I notice if I do a lot of consuming of other people's content, I start to feel really kind of zoned out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and it's not a place I want to create from. I do recommend setting a timer. You know, for for me, Instagram is the most addictive app. So I'll set a timer for like 10 minutes, Um, especially if I'm tired. Oh my goodness. If I'm tired, 10 minutes can turn into an hour really fast. Mm -hmm. But if I set a timer, it's like 10 minutes, I do my post, I do a few comments, I get off. And that's been really, really helpful just to kind of do a state change and break myself out of the loop. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. If you are digging this podcast, 
please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It just takes a moment and it means a ton to us. Also, after recording more than 100 episodes, I've created a bit of a cheat sheet on the top five things I've learned from Renegades and how they get from idea to action, from dreaming to doing. I will email you the downloadable PDF when you subscribe to my newsletter. Just head to amyjomartin.com and click on connect with me. Hmm, I like that. I like the create before I consume kind of tip too. And I heard you talk about a, a case study where you, <laughs> I've been in this exact same place um, where you, you know, had people on your team working on templates and designs and then you would do the copywriting and then they would lay it out and then you'd approve and blah, blah, blah. And you'd have this whole workflow and and then you found maybe that content wasn't performing as well as just something that's native and organic and it took 10 seconds to post. And so you stopped, rightfully so. And I think that that's a great reminder for all of us too of just because we put more time and energy into it and we think it might look better or more polished does not mean it's an efficient use of time and the ROI is there, right? So that's, I, we can fall into that trap easily and then we've got four or five people involved and um, it's not in your zone of genius. It's not in anyone's best interest, probably all of the things. <laughs> Well, that's why tracking our results is so important. So when we began to systematically track what posts were performing the best on on social and which ones were driving the most traffic and all those things, we realized nine times out of 10, it is the selfie Instagram stories where I'm in my car, where I tell people to swipe up that perform the best Mm -hmm. almost every single time. And that takes me the 15 seconds that it takes to make that story and nobody else has to be involved. And so obviously it's the do less way. Do I think the other things look better? Yeah, but it doesn't matter if it looks better. I mean, I think this is also a thing is that we're really addicted with believing that how we are perceived by others is who we are. And that in social media culture, especially just with the the filters and the curation and the ability to sort of pretend to be whoever we want to be on the internet, we can get really lost in the land of thinking about how we look instead of how we feel. And the do less way is focusing on how you feel first. And then, of course, doing the things that get you results. And those won't always look the fanciest mm-hmm. or the most impressive. But who cares yes. if it gets results? Very true. So, so true. And let's talk a little bit about, okay, let's say someone's listening and they're going through their schedule. And like I, I just keep referring the last couple of months in my mind, can I delete or can I delegate? Delete or delegate. <laughs> and when you start to look at something, I mean, let's just say you have a speaking engagement or something that you just, maybe you committed you know, several months ago, and it turns out it's actually, you know, it's not going to be the best use of time. You're willing to follow through because you committed, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh man, this is not lighting me up. Um, Avoiding that in the future and just evaluating almost line items on the schedule or tasks. How do you go through that process? Mm, This is a great question. Um, So in the aftermath of my book launch, 
I am getting way more requests Mm -hmm. than I got before. (laughs) And so I know for me, the more space I put between myself and the people asking, the better. Because I am a recovering yes girl. And so if somebody comes up to me personally at an event, I will like really want to be kind. And so if they ask me to do something right in that moment, I won't say yes, I used to. And I'm glad I don't do that anymore. But, you know, but I will tell them to email somebody on our team or whatever. And so I'm, I've gotten good at just putting in extra layers between me and the requester so that there are systems and procedures making the decision instead of me. Because <laughs> if it's me, I still say yes to too many things. And it's not, you know, it's it doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve our company. And so I will go through on, I do go through on Sunday nights, my calendar, and I just look at the week to see how it's feeling. Um, and I just see, you know, which phase of my cycle I'm in. I see what's going on and just, I sort of pre-evaluate what's the week going to be. Um, make sure movement is in there, you know, make sure like a date night is in there with my husband, make sure there's some quality time in there, some fun with my kids. Um, cause those are all the things that are really at the end of the day, like that's what really matters. And I just see if anything needs to be moved for things that can't be moved or canceled. And I committed to them and now I'm there and I'm realizing it's maybe not a great use of my time. This has happened to me so many times. What I do is A, I create some sort of policy or procedure um, so that this sort of thing doesn't end up on my calendar again. So I just create a new set of rules like, okay, now for, for, from now on speaking gigs have to fit the following criteria. Or for example, we did something in our company a couple of years ago that as it was happening, I was like, oh my gosh, we should not be doing this. And so after that, we created a um, list of filtering questions as a company that we have to go through before we say yes to moving forward on a project or an opportunity. And that's been incredibly helpful because it slows us right down, especially if we get so, super excited about the possibilities, which I, I'm i a seven on the Enneagram. I'm so. like, <laughs> so yeah, right? I'm just like, yes, it sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then when I'm actually doing the thing, even if I think like, oh, maybe I wouldn't have said yes to this again, I do really look at like, okay, what opportunities can I create here to be able to utilize this content more than once mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. to be able to repurpose it or use it as a leapfrog to connect for another opportunity? So I don't believe there's any such thing as time wasted unless we waste it. Um, we can always make it time invested, even if we're doing something that we think maybe we shouldn't be doing. But then the opportunity is like, well, how can I make this a win-win moment for um, all the people involved, for the people who are showing up for the event, for myself and for the event organizer? Because certainly if I've said I'm going to do something, I am showing up mm-hmm. my full self. Gotcha. Awesome. And it's just a mindset shift. I decide it's the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you kind of have to, right? And then like you said, you're able to glean other benefits from it if you start to think creatively and and sometimes that's probably the best things can happen in those situations and surprisingly um your three questions when you're scheduling your week for example the does this need to be done does this need to be done now and does this need to be done by me so good those are just gold because 
if one doesn't catch, like if one if if it, one falls through the cracks, it's likely one of the other two questions will probably <laughs> catch you. But do you have anything recently where you're just like, no, actually, this just doesn't need to be done. Goodbye. No longer necessary. Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, it's such a good question. Well, yes, actually. So I'm in charge of fundraising for our daughter's co-op daycare preschool. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> It was, it was great. I actually, so I have a membership called Origin um, and I, I got in there and I call all of our, we call our, our women empresses because we're all running empires of one size or another. And so I got in there and I was just like, empresses, um, I'm, you know, I'm in charge of these fundraisers and we're trying to come up with new solutions that are kind of do less you know, what are your ideas? Because in the past we've run like six different kind of random fundraisers a year, some of which, you know, bring in $160 or something mm-hmm. ridiculously low for the amount of energy put in. And the suggestions were so great. And also I realized that, uh, so there were certain fundraisers that just didn't need to be done. Cause I realized like they just, if I looked at the results for the amount of energy put in, like we did this whole sale around Christmas, around locally made goods. And while it was sweet and lovely, like the profit margins were just really low. And so I really have started to look at it from a, just a business nuts and bolts perspective. And so instead we're really focusing on our smile.amazon.com account. So Mm -hmm, having mm -hmm. all of us order all of our Amazon things through the day, because the daycare is a 501c3 through its smile account. So such low hanging fruit, right? We're already doing all this ordering. Let's just make it benefit the school. And then secondly, in the state of Maine, where I live, we get a deposit back for returnable bottles and cans. And so we have these clink bags. And I know everybody at daycare is like drinking seltzer. (laughs) You know, all the parents are drinking seltzer, drinking wine, drinking beer, whatever they're drinking. And so all of those cans and bottles can just go in a bag and then they go to the redemption center and we get money. So that was an example of like, why not not think of all these bells and whistles fundraisers and why not just make money from the activities we're already doing? Mm -hmm. Mm, Yes. Doesn't it just feel like you struck gold when you when those things happen? Yes. When you're like, oh my gosh, it's such a relief. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, I recently stopped doing my hair. I like literally just realized after being on this earth for forty years that it's actually better when I don't and I wash it and I don't comb it. Heaven forbid uh, all the years. And I added up the time and. I think that's one of the things that incentivizes me the most to want to make more space is because I'm like, that's 11.3 days in a year. I could be hanging out with Lincoln and reading with them or whatever, right? I love that example. I also don't do my hair. I haven't (laughs) for years. Also, my friend Aya, who I just love this. I had her on a panel. She's the um, fashion director for Hearst. So she oversees... Mm, Cosmo, Teen Vogue, like all of the big magazines. And she was just like, oh yeah, no, I just have a policy. I don't wear makeup. Love it. I mean, revolutionary at the head of that brand in the fashion department. Exactly. I just just don't wear heels and I just don't wear makeup. I love it. 
in and that in role the time too. She's saving. Yes, and money too. I mean, cosmetics. And revolutionary. I and love this her one. skin, and I know I I totally could hang with that one. I just I gotta yes. keep my red lipstick. It just makes me feel feel better. I, I still wear makeup, also, but, <laughs> but my routine is like five minutes. It's very simple. That's that's pretty legit, right there. <laughs> so, <laughs> what is one lesson you find yourself learning over and over, Kate? Uh, <laughs> you, you know, for us sevens, the enthusiasts, the lesson I keep learning over and over again is matching my eyes with my schedule. So, and matching my level of enthusiasm with mm. my schedule. And it's, it's again and again at a higher level. I really do believe we learn these lessons, you know, at a higher evolution each time. So it's not the same lesson, but it's like the same lesson at the next level, yes. which is learning to say no and learning that like me saying no does not mean that I won't get any more opportunities. In fact, it's the opposite. So I'll give you an example. I just canceled something that was going to take me 17 hours. And that's, you know, that's quite a bit of time, right? Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. um, easily half my work week. I usually work about 30 hours a week. So it's a little bit more than half my work week. And I canceled, I felt bad, but I, but I also felt relieved at the same time. Literally within an hour, I get an email about another opportunity in the same category that will take one hour of my time and have like a hundred times the results of what that 17 hour time commitment was going to be. And that felt like such a wink. So that's the lesson for me is like trusting that when I say no to what is not optimal, that optimal and even better is right behind it. Yes, absolutely. And you're saying yes to something else too. That's at the moment, right? Oh, that's good. And it's, it's the universe's way of deciding whether or not they're going to tee up another lesson because if we don't integrate, it's like, okay, if you don't integrate this learning, this lesson, then it's just going to keep happening. Even if you claim to understand conceptually what you should do differently next time, if you don't actually do it, it's just going to keep happening. And that just cracks me up where I'm like, wait, I thought I learned this one. And nope, not until you... <laughs> yeah, not until you really, really get it. But I also believe that, you know, it'll come up the next time, but then we catch it so much faster. Mm -hmm. And so it really is that evolution. I think it's a it's an illusion that we'll just sort of like learn something for good. But we do have this opportunity to learn it in different ways and learn it faster and at a deeper level. Love it. Love it. So your book is is new. It's, it's you have another one right behind it. Are there any big new why not now ideas that are rolling around or being greenlit? <laughs> oh my gosh, always. I am just like such an idea woman. Um, yes, actually. So since the book has come out, actually since before the book came out, I've been being asked for a planner over and over and over and over again. And so in Q4, we are launching the Do Less Planner and it is such a like an expression I just told my dear friend today. It feels like it is a visual written expression of my insides on the outsides. It is like truly, truly, truly my soul and heart work. And it's so gorgeous. Um, so I'm super excited about the Do Less Planner coming out, you know, to match the Do Less book. Awesome. It's amazing how there, there's such a craving to head back 
analog with schedules. It's just, I think that speaks volumes as to where, you know, obviously we're equally addicted and fatigued by our technology, but it's just like, no, just give me a pen and paper. Like, I just want to write this down and look at it. It seems more real and just psychologically. So that's exciting. That's really exciting. Did you have a planner for the your first book? I didn't. I, that would have been a great idea. Well, you can still do it. I mean, <laughs> I can still absolutely do that. Yeah. And then I have, you know, I have a big, a big body of work that's churning right now that will probably be ready for public consumption in the spring of 2020 that really brings together my work around money, love story and do less uh, for women entrepreneurs. So hey. I don't really have anything else to say on that, but I am working on something else. Awesome. We will be keeping tabs for sure. And thank you so much for joining me today and and sharing your, your wisdom. Like I said, um, do less came to me at a time when it couldn't have been just more appropriate and needed. And it really is a mentality. And it's exciting to know that there's another, you know, piece of, well, just another goodie coming behind it with your planner. And... Yeah, I appreciate you you joining us and making us just land on your schedule. That's a big deal, knowing what filters you have. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a testament to you and what you're up to and, and who I know your audience is as well. And so thank you for doing the work that you do. everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. Hit me up on social media to let me know what you think. I'm at Amy Jo Martin on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I want to hear your why not now moments so I can share them on the show. Just send me a note to why not now at amyjomartin.com. For show notes and other offers, you can visit amyjoemartin.com forward slash why not now. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email newsletter for exclusive content and announcements. A big thanks to Rock Salt Music for all of the tunes by the talented John Coggins. And of course, a hat tip to Richard Gruer for editing and producing the show. I'll see you next time. And until then, why not now? Oh, 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 oh,